Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now, and happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. It's a sad state of affairs, Kat, when not even the Toronto Maple Leafs are safe in Toronto. Man, that's crazy. We are going to talk about the debate in just a sec, but first off, and I don't even know that we can call this confirmed. I think we can based on what was yes. tweeted out by the Maple Leafs PR, but yeah. Mitch Marner got carjacked in Toronto. Yeah. Maple Leaf star Mitch Marner carjacked in Toronto. Should we be worried? You know, I mean, I thought that that for the most part during the day in a very busy area like the Queensway in Islington where the movie theater is, I thought that you'd be fairly safe there. Mm-hmm. It seems well, like these gangsters are rolling everywhere. You know what the thing is, though? I mean, you say you feel like it's safe. I feel like I feel like you less safe everywhere. Especially when it comes to cars. I don't know what's going on lately, but there's been an increase. It feels like it. And and I don't know. I don't have the stats to prove that. But just from what I've seen and heard, it's happening more and more often that people are breaking into cars, jacking cars straight up, uh, attempting to. And this one was a, I mean, thankfully it didn't escalate, but this one was an armed carjacking. I mean, we're talking about people with knives and guns. That's a scary situation. And Marner, Marner, uh, is it is a is a I don't want to call him a little boy. He's not. He's a, he's a man, but he's he's a young guy. I could imagine how shaken up he'd be. Anybody would in that scenario. It's scary. And when I heard something happen outside of a theater, I thought, ah, that is probably for those deplorable people who want to steal cars a good spot because they figure you're in the theater for a while. I have some time to attempt to steal this car. However, I don't know if Mitch. Marner stumbled upon them as they were attempting to do it or they were just sitting and waiting did they know who Mitch Marner was or did they not where is the Range Rover that's obviously what's being investigated currently Uh, and all the people are on it that should be and that's great there's investigators on the case fantastic Mitch Marner doesn't want to speak as you mentioned uh, Maple Leafs PR did release a statement basically confirming yes it was him Um, no there's no comment at this point but thankfully he's okay shaken but okay yeah, I mean, the Leafs don't go out and do many public things. You you don't often hear a lot of reports of, oh, boy, oh, boy, Pierre Engvall had dinner here last night and Austin Matthews went to this show on on King Street and Mitch Marner did this and you saw whomever, Morgan Riley at Wonderland. You, you don't hear a lot of those stories. Go figure. We get one of a Leaf going out just to watch a movie in the middle of the day mm-hmm. and he gets carjacked. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. Glad he's okay. Really am. But uh, the crime is just nuts lately, Kat, and it's scary. I know. And I say, I mean, they the Maple Leafs official page, uh, official club basically released a statement, as we mentioned. And they say it, too. We're going to say it anyway, uh, just in case anyone with information knows anything. They do ask you to reach out to Toronto Police Services on this. Uh, but as mentioned, no comment as they continue the investigation. Last night was the big debate. Doug and Andrea and Mike and Steve all got together to discuss the issues that are in front of us today. You ready to hear a little bit about the debate? Sure. It was uh, it was kind of sleazy and I kind of liked it. Oh, okay. You like it sleazy generally or just in this particular circumstance it worked? In this particular circumstance, for example, you'd get Andrea Horvath who would just say something vicious and then turn around and look at the camera and smile like, and I'd like to talk to you about the great province of Ontario. It was weird like that. Steve Del Duca was just 
gazing deeply into the camera and it made me it made me feel weird because I didn't want to look right at the TV because he was looking at me. Were you uncomfortable? Yeah, I didn't want to make eye contact with him even though we were in two totally different places. And and Doug, you weren't supposed to bring notes, but Doug showed up with a whole fucking binder of them. And, you know, it, it was just kind of dirty, but I liked it because there was some confrontation. And I, I pulled out a couple of moments for you that I want to play. And the first one I want to play is what I've been waiting for from Doug Ford for a long time. An admission that things didn't go great. A little bit of humility from the premier who is very evasive and doesn't take many questions at all. But last night, it was a question about the pandemic and leadership. And I was actually impressed. It kind of reminded me of old Doug. Listen to this. That was the most challenging time of my entire life as premier. And I don't wish that on any premier or any administration in the future. As we inherited an absolute broken system in long-term care from multiple governments, uh, it was a challenge. Did we get everything right? No, we didn't get everything right. But I'll tell you, every decision I made was with the best intention, with the best medical advice I could get at, at the time. But we're going to fix the system. We're fixing it right now until no other premier, no other administration has to go through what, uh, what we had to go through. You know, there were challenging times, but I'll tell you, I'll make sure that never happens again, ever. That's what mm. I want to hear. Okay, that's good. I mean, and you mentioned the old Doug. I feel that too a little bit there. There's honesty in there. Um, that's what I liked about Doug was just kind of like, yeah, it was challenging. You know, I, I, everything, you could say anything at this point, just as long as you're honest, I appreciate it. And I mean that for everybody. You know, I think that maybe, because at the time, Doug said, I'm the leader and the buck stops with me. Okay, all leaders say that to make themselves look more leader-like. Fine. But at the time, there was a bit of a he said, she said game going on, and Doug would never name names. If Doug's going to do that now and admit he didn't get everything right, I'm glad to hear he can acknowledge he didn't get everything right during the pandemic. Okay, I can accept that. It was a fluid situation, so to speak. But I still want names. Doug, mm-hmm. if you're going to say that what you did had the best of intentions and it was based on the best medical advice, which one of those dipshits told you to close down playgrounds and have the police ticket people when they left their homes? Did a doctor tell you that? Did it come from Sylvia Jones, your solicitor general? Did you dream that up when you were sleeping one night? Where did stuff like that come from? Mm-hmm. We still need more. But it seems like he's at least starting to... To acknowledge it a little bit, that no, that didn't go perfectly. And yeah, we did get some stuff wrong, and we we were doing it based on the advice we had at the time, but yeah, in hindsight, things didn't work out. Okay, I can live with that. But we still do have a few more questions there, Doug, and I would like those answered, and I assume he won't until after the election, but someday, we'd like to know a little bit more about that. Uh, There were some some good moments where they were fighting. Would you like to hear Doug and Steve go at it? Sure. (laughs) That's why I was proud to sign the pledge earlier today. This has to be more than just about empty words uh, and slogans that you hear repeatedly coming from Mr. Ford and his team. Uh, People are hurting right now in this province, and Mr. Ford wants to act like he can skate right past that. Like COVID never happened and the affordability Uh, crisis doesn't Let's give him a chance to respond. Mr. Ford. Well, Mr. Del Duca, I just want to remind you, under yourself and the uh, former Premier Kathleen Wynne, you destroyed this province. 
the economy was going downhill quicker than the Canadian bobsled team. It just mm. continued going down. 300,000 jobs left this province. That's 300,000 people couldn't pay their rent, couldn't pay their mortgage, couldn't put food on the table because of your terrible policies. You want to bring back the license plate stickers, as you did, no, and, you, and you raised it every no, single time. You want to increase the tolls like you did before no, on the 412 Check the and pledge. 18. You, you actually, Check you, the pledge. It, it was your tolls. So, Ontario Liberal And, and Check we're going to cut, yeah. Mr. Del Duca, yeah. we're going to cut the gas tax. You're all in favor we're of standing hiking by the that gas well. tax. You're in no. favor of no. the carbon tax. We are. Oh my goodness. We're the only pe oh the only party that's going to yeah. cut taxes, put more money back into your pockets. We're creating an economy <laughs> that is thriving right now with 550,000 uh, jobs and 338,000 in the, in the waiting. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know yeah. who to believe. Like, I well, feel like they're all fucking lying to well, us. Well, here's the thing is that you take, I mean, it's all in, it's, it's all should be in context, but it's not. You know what I mean? So you take little bits of things that are fact and you make it work for you. I mean, that's the whole purpose, right? And if you do it well enough, that's usually where you get the votes. I mean, Doug Ford, for example, can say all he wants to like, oh, Kathleen Wynne, Kathleen Wynne. It bothers me, by the way. I hate going in the past. Let's talk about the future. It bothers me with every politician and all of them are guilty of it. Let's talk about what you guys did, blah, 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 blah. Unless you're talking about Doug Ford, that's fair because that's recent, right? The last few years, that's recent memory. Let's discuss what happened there. That's fair. To me, it's not fair to bring up people from the past. Like, how far back do you want to go here? Don't like it. When it comes to the, the things that Doug Ford was mentioning, like, oh, we want to do this. We want to do that. You know, people were so bad at Kathleen Wynne. Look at the life we're living now. Is it so much better? I see a lot of families struggling. I hear about it. I hear people barely being able to, you know, do what they got to do. Yes, he's putting things in place. Absolutely. That's great. And he, sure, talk about talk that up. Absolutely. You're going to cut daycare costs or you finally work to deal with the uh, Canadian government to work out those daycare fees. Great. That's going to help. Uh, gas tax. OK, I'll, let's see about that. But sure. Um, all those things. And then when it comes to Del Duca, I did hear a lot about when he was talking about schools in particular, and I did quite like it. And I know Doug Ford defended St Stephen Lecce over and over again. That's great. Fine. So he would and should, I suppose. But Del Duca made a lot of comments about, you know, mental health. Look what you did to the kids. So that was, I think he took some really good shots when he was spe specifically talking about schools yesterday in what I heard. I thought uh, he did a really good job there. That was my opinion um, in, in pushing on those issues and pushing those buttons. But then Del Duca also said a lot of shit that was a lot of baloney to me as well and bringing up things that, in my opinion, didn't really matter too much. So you brought up an interesting point there. And generally speaking, I agree with you. I hate that politicians keep going back to, well, we inherited this mess. Yeah. Well, we didn't know how the books were going to be. Well, look what you did. You were yeah. terrible. And generally, I agree that that's irrelevant. Generally, I think that, okay, we've moved on. We got rid of those fuckers. Now it's time to talk about your record. In this case... A little asterisk on it, only because Del Duca was there. He was like okay. the right-hand okay. man to win in McGinty. So I don't know that it's completely irrelevant. I mean, if he's the guy who, how many times did stickers go up when Kathleen Wynne was in charge? He, he was there as part of that. How many schools got closed when Kathleen Wynne was premier? It's in the hundreds, mm -hmm. and Del Duca was there. Uh, did Del Duca have a chance to build the 413? He did. He was the transportation minister at a time. So I do think that it's somewhat relevant, but generally I agree with you that let's talk about the last four years. And, and Doug doesn't necessarily want to talk about the last four years because, well, COVID was COVID. But before that, we weren't exactly popular. We had a lot of strikes. We had a lot of, of 
teacher walkouts and so on and so forth. Yeah. And, and that all got forgotten about with the pandemic. But there was a time when, well, we had a couple of federal elections in the last four years. Remember when Andrew Shear was running and they told Doug, stay away, shut the fuck up because you're extremely unpopular in Ontario right now. And we don't need that kind of negativity for the federal campaign. I mean, that actually happened, although the last four years does tend to be a blur and people are very focused on right now and maybe rightfully so. But one thing that I was very surprised about was Stephen Del Duca and Andrea Horvath, and I'm going to play both of them in a few minutes. They had a really good opportunity last night to showcase themselves as a government in waiting. Here's our team. Here's what we're going to do. If you don't like Doug, you're not stuck with Doug. You have a choice. And they were supposed to present themselves as a reasonable alternative. And I don't really feel like they did that. Steve wanted to keep fighting with Doug Ford. And I don't understand why. Because one thing you got to give Doug credit for is he's a scrapper. And if you punch him, he's going to punch you back 10 times harder. <laughs> he's a scrappy fella. He is. Like, Let me play one more exchange between Doug Ford and Steven Del Duca last night that was completely preventable. I don't know why Del Duca kept poking the bear. But let me just also talk about post-secondary the other part of education where there are serious mental health challenges, too. When Mr. Ford came to office, he made it dramatically less accessible and far less affordable for young students to go to college or university in this province. Horribly backward economic policy. And yet he's here tonight bragging like he deserves a medal or a pat on the back about supporting public education. Your record on public education, Mr. Ford, is an embarrassment and you should be ashamed of yourself for what you have done to kids across this province, like mine and the hundreds of thousands of others that just want a premier who understands that you have a moral obligation to get public health care right. And you, you, sir, have failed this province. See, I, I, it, it was kind of unnecessary to do that because it's not accurate. And, and well, listen to the response. Mr. Well, Ford, would you like to respond? I'd, and then I'd, we'll I'd, give I'd, Mr. Schreiner I'd, a chance. Well, I'd, I'd love to respond. You know, I'm proud of our record on education. Matter of fact, I think we have the best minister of education we've ever had. He's invested billions of dollars to make sure he's getting the kids ready for jobs of the future. Under your administration, the they didn't have to worry about jobs because you ran every single back, job back out the of the province. The three, <laughs> that 300,000 jobs left under your watch. You want to talk about embarrassment. Yeah, you destroyed this it. province in every area, no matter the economy, exactly. hospitals, Just, long-term care. If I might. You destroyed this no, province. If I might, if I might, by I'm the sorry. NDP. Thank you very That's much, really Mr. Happened. Schreiner. You know, Del Duke, I, I don't know if you're going to have a job at the day after the election, because I, I would think that unless you at least achieve second party status or official opposition status, this is considered a major failure. And last night was your opportunity to set yourself apart from the NDP. I don't understand why you kept going after Doug and then he had to keep going back and, and slapping you down like that. But I, I don't think that really that made any impact. And I certainly don't think it made you look like a premier in waiting. But let's be fair and let's give out equal time. Uh, Andrea Horvath talked about the cost of living. One of the things that stood out last night about Andrea was she was very relatable. She's a... Really? She seems like a, a nice lady that I would talk to on the bus if I happened to be sitting beside her. And and her her persona, I think generally the rap on Andrea is that all she does is yell and complain. She goes into the legislature and yells and, and complains that everything's wrong and doesn't really offer up any solutions. Maybe she could just do a couple of tweaks and, and she'd be more like this. This was nice Andrea Horvath. Check it out. 
You're absolutely right, Mike. Um, and the best way to make sure that doesn't happen is by making sure that Mr. Ford doesn't get another term in office because we've seen his record. Uh, there, there's no doubt that, the, that things were bad before that Mr. Ford took office, but it's been four years and life's gotten harder for folks. It continues to get harder and harder. The, people are worried that their kids are going to have to move really far distances if they're ever going to be able to own their home, own home. But in, in most cases, we're seeing kids staying at home even longer in their parents' houses. And now that's not good for young people. And it sure isn't good for their parents is what they tell me. So the cost of housing, getting rent control back into Ontario, uh, getting, um, getting uh, the, the big oil companies uh, under control by outlawing the, the gouging at the pumps, which we know is about to happen because there's a long weekend coming up. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do to relieve the pressure, okay, Mr. Uh, but we have to, to make sure that? that Mr. Ford is not reelected first. Yeah, it sounds like somebody I would have a conversation with about actual issues. It was calm. calm. Yeah, a little calm. Yeah. Reasonable. Yeah, sure. Sure. I hear that. And last but certainly not least, I, I'm just going to ask, why is it that people don't vote green in this country? Because every poll I look at, people say the environment is one of their top priorities. And yet the Green Party has got, what, two MPs in Ottawa and one MPP in Toronto at Queen's mm. Park. And I don't understand why they don't do better. Yeah, I think that um, I'd actually have to take a uh, bigger look at uh, their platform this time around, to be quite honest with you. But I remember in previous platforms, there are some things listed there that are maybe, I, I don't know, scary for some people. To, th- to consider, well, if you actually put this in play, I'd have to do this and change my life around for it, right? It is a big change, and that is what we need. Don't get me wrong, and I agree with those pollsters. We need to focus on that. But I think in some por- parts, it felt too soon for people. But maybe now is the time. This is just a little sample of Green Party leader Mike Schreiner. He's an MPP from Guelph, and he leads the Greens. He sounded like a leader last night. He sounds like he's got a plan. He's got a costed platform out. And it's expensive, but he seems to be a decent candidate here. Listen to just a little bit of Mike Schreiner from last night. It is now or never to address the climate crisis. And that's why we need to stop Mr. Ford from paving over our future. We need affordable homes, not expensive highways, that will primarily benefit a few wealthy land speculators and make life more expensive for the rest of us. We need to stop the license plate gimmicks supported by the NDP and liberals that will drain billions from healthcare, education, and housing. We need new solutions to old problems so we can build a caring, connected, affordable, climate-ready Ontario. The kind of Ontario that protects the people in places we love in this province. We can act now to build the future you want. And that's what Ontario Green MPPs are ready to provide the leadership at Queen's Park. Yeah, he doesn't even sound like he's running for premier. He sounds like he's running for opposition leader. And I don't think that would be the worst thing, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if he's willing to hold the premier to account, but he's willing to hear good ideas from any party, I think that's really all we can ask for from a leader, right? I think so. Yeah, sure. Uh, He did well. They all did well in their own ways. I don't know that many people's minds were changed Mm -hmm. with the exception of maybe, maybe Mike Schreiner may have earned himself some votes. Uh, Overall, like I said, it was just kind of sleazy. 
It's too bad there's only one debate. But one thing that did cross my mind last night as I was watching it is we talk about accountability from time to time. Governments get elected promising one thing and then they go and do something completely different that people don't like. And we have no way of getting rid of these fuckers. It doesn't matter how how many of the, the country disliked Justin Trudeau. Unless he stepped down or something happened to trigger an election, he's not going anywhere. We're stuck with him. Mm-hmm. And that applies to every elected position in this country. Wouldn't it be great if, and since nobody's answering questions in question period anymore, everything's a talking point and it's all fucked up, maybe we should annually have a debate. In the same way that the Americans do a State of the Union address where the president comes and addresses Congress and tells them what's going on in, in the country, I feel like we should have a debate. Doug, Steve, Andrea, Mike, once a year where they have to answer questions or it's blatantly obvious to the public that they're hiding something. Yeah, not a bad idea. I wouldn't mind that. Not a bad idea. And if they could clear one night a year on their calendar, put it on TVO, the government owns it anyway, it's not really costing anything and it's a good opportunity to try and get questions answered and hold each other accountable. And I don't see why why they would be against it because while things are top of mind, it's good for you to ask those questions or hold those other candidates accountable for what they may have said more recently, right? Whereas when you do it every second, Several years before an election, we tend to forget things, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Big it, ha- time. it happens very, very quickly. Okay, that was a little wrap on the debate. I tried to keep that as fair and balanced as possible. I, I, I'm not trying to sway anybody either way because I am one of those undecided voters myself. But I, uh, hopefully, you got something good out of that. It, it's still online if you want to go back and watch the debate. Like I said, it was sleazy. Pour yourself a drink and have yourself a couple of laughs. Um, today, we're getting a visit. The Royals are coming, Cat. In a preview of what will likely be our future, Prince Charles and his wife Camilla are coming to Canada. They're going to arrive in Newfoundland and Labrador's capital today. Wow. It's a three-day Canadian tour focused on indigenous reconciliation and climate change. They're going to be welcomed at the provincial legislature by the prime minister. Then they're going to do a reconciliation prayer with indigenous leaders then they're going to the lieutenant governor's place. Then they're going to go and tour a fishing community before they head to Ottawa and then later on to the Northwest Territories. Is it that they wanted to be in Canada but stay as far away from Canadians as possible? <laughs> or what happened here? How did they go from Newfoundland to like a couple of hours on the ground in Ottawa before up to the Northwest Territories when the vast majority of the country resides in the southern half? Why? Uh, well, it's a good party. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been there several times. No, I don't think they're there for the party. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there must be particular reasons why they chose that, that spot. I, I would have maybe picked a place with a little bit better weather currently. No but, shit. But that's fine. I mean, <laughs> you said a few, did you say a few days they're staying? Three days total. Three days total. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know the particulars on it. I couldn't tell you, but that's fine. I think it's also fair to spread it out a little bit. I mean, if, if you're going to constantly be in Toronto, for example, Toronto, Vancouver, Toronto, Vancouver, doesn't that get a little bit like stagnant and boring at the same time? And then other people across Canada are like, why should we give a shit if you don't come visit us here? So I think it's good. Go visit the East Coasters. Well, I mean, and, and I don't disagree with you, but part of this, this trip is to sort of normalize Charles as the one who does it. The queen Mm -hmm. is the head of the monarchy and the queen is our queen and we're Canadian. So she is. I, uh, I know that the queen is battling something. They, all they'll say is mobility issues. She looked pretty frail the other day. 
when she made a public appearance. She was going to see yeah. her horses. Yeah. She doesn't look good. She's and almost 100. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Charles is going to be the man. All indicators are he's not going to abdicate the throne. He's going to go on and he will be king and she will be queen consort. And a lot of people aren't thrilled about that. So as they bring him in to do some of these royal duties, it's almost sort of a, a friendly handoff. Uh, three days in the Northwest Territories, Newfoundland and Labrador, and a couple of hours on the ground in, in Ottawa. Okay, I guess we're just going to sort of dip our toe in here. Sure. And we'll see how it goes. And, and maybe they're just trying to test the public reaction to this too, because Canada is not the only country that has some questions about the future of the monarchy. An Ontario judge yesterday said the driver who killed a woman and her three daughters in a crash on June the 18th, 2020 gambled with other people's lives when he took the wheel while impaired by drugs. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, the justice sentenced Brady Robertson to 17 years in prison. He will get credit for nearly three years of time served after he pled guilty to four counts of dangerous driving causing death and was convicted of four counts of impaired driving causing death. One thing I didn't know about this, two things I didn't know. The court found Robertson had a blood THC concentration eight times above the legal limit. It's insane. Yeah. Eight times. He had 15 prior driving infractions in the two and a half years before that fatal crash. The justice concluded the crash was not an accident, but a crime that was 100% preventable if Robertson had any regard for the lives of other people. Which to me, the court got it right. He clearly does not care about other people. This is a menace to society who had 15 traffic infractions and then drove with a blood alcohol level eight times above what he should have been at. Um, It's disgusting. He has been, he has uh, talked about how he feels after the fact, what what he's going through. Uh, And the one thing that he did mention is that he wanted to kill himself. Wanted to kill himself several times and almost attempted suicide. He realizes what a piece of shit he is. Basically, not in his own words, of course, these are in my words, but basically he realized I'm a piece of shit. I know I'm a piece of shit. Um, I could do the cowardly thing and kill myself, which a lot of people, by the way, in this type of scenario do or at least consider or sometimes attempt. I could do that or I could basically do do the time. I did the crime. I'm guilty of this crime. I I deserve to be behind bars. So, okay, I mean, there is something to that that he didn't really necessarily want to fight it. That's good. He realizes what he did was wrong. But will it help deter other people? Like, I mean, that's the biggest thing is when you hear cases like this, is it going to change? Because you still see people and hear people getting arrested for this, whatever it might be, a DUI of any kind that could have done this, that could have killed an entire family. Mm -hmm. Do people hear that? I want to know. I'm curious to find out. Do people hear this story, see what shit press he, Marco Muzo, many others receive regarding this and go, wow, I really got to change what I'm doing here or I got to make better decisions in life? I couldn't answer that question, but that's my only hope at this point. Our justice system is not a justice system. It's a law system. That's it. And it's kind of a shitty one at that. Absolutely. I think he deserves more time or worse. I mean, if I ran the world, it'd be a little more of a do unto you know yourself as you did unto others kind of thing, right? Let's put you in that yeah. scenario. 
I, oh, sorry, were you good? Um, yeah, just basically the gist of it is, are we learning anything from it? I'd love to know that. Does, any, does anybody change what they're doing based on this? I'd like to think that. Hmm. I hope that. You know, that, that's a topic that I've thought a lot about over the years. And I'll be honest, I've driven when I shouldn't have drove. I, uh, especially back in the day when, uh, when I was younger and dumb and leaving club gigs and stuff like that. And, and yeah, I certainly made mistakes and I, I've really reflected on it. And one of the things that I've realized here is that the number one reason I think that people drive while they're impaired, it's not just drunk, by the way, because there's a lot of drug impaired drivers mm-hmm. out there. But I think uh, it's easy to talk yourself into driving because the but what abouts. Oh, but what about my car? I can't leave it here. Or it'll get towed. But what about I have to go to work in the morning? But what about this? But what about that? I, I think at the end of the day, while the but what abouts do factor in, the main thing is, will I get caught? I think the vast majority of people understand the consequences. If you get caught driving drunk or driving under the influence of any kind, you're going to lose your car for, is it 30 days? I don't know what it's at now. I know they raised it recently. Is it 30 days? Yeah. And I mean, every day that your car is impounded, you, you pay. pay an impound fee. Yeah. So it's huge money. You're going to have your license suspended. And if you try and drive while your license is suspended, you're getting into a real dangerous territory where the big courts are going to take you on because you're a, a menace to society. You're creating c- criminal activity there. So I, I think that people understand that the consequences are great. The fines, the legal fees, possible jail time. I don't know that anybody thinks they're going to kill somebody, but it's certainly a distinct possibility, as we've heard way too many times before. I think, again, it all comes down to, will I get caught? And I don't think anyone who's ever been pulled over and arrested for a DUI thought they might get caught. You, you play the odds. Oh, how far am I going? Is there any ride programs out there? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and they really weigh those options as opposed to look for alternatives. And I think we just go into it with the wrong mindset. Uh, For me, now my approach is completely different. I I don't look for ways to get home without getting caught. I look for ways to get home without driving. And I'll think about things like, hmm, could I call an Uber? Can I call a buddy? Can I get a cab? Can I leave my car here and pick it up in the morning? And I'm one of those people who doesn't like to leave my car anywhere. So I'm very appreciative of the different services. They do it particularly around the holidays, but I kind of wish someone would make this a 24-7 thing with the Operation Red Nose, where when you call their service, two people come. One drives you home in your own car, and the other car drives to pick that person up. They do have that 24-7 here, I know, in KW, for example. I'm not sure how prominent it is in any other place, but I know that there is a service. And that's a good one, too. I'm at the point now where I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'll I'll leave my car because I'd rather that than than the alternative, than any other alternative. I don't care. I'll leave my car on the street, row, whatever it is, in front of a business. If I get a ticket, I get a ticket. It's certainly better than, again, the alternative. I do think courts and bylaw officers and so on should look the other way on that sort of thing. Yeah, I I agree. They don't know that you're leaving your car so that you don't drink or drive impaired. Um, But I think that if you go to uh, the Crown Attorney and say, hey, listen, I got jammed with a $45 ticket for being in this lot after hours. Just so you know, I was at the bar across the street. I was drinking. I decided I was going to take an Uber home and I didn't drive. I think in those circumstances, it should basically just be understood that, okay, no problem. We're going to waive that ticket. Mm -hmm. We need to make it easier to not drive impaired because right now people are weighing the options and they're thinking, 
well, shit, it's uh, it's probably going to be a $40, $50 Uber or I can just drive home for free. I won't get caught. Well, what are the odds I get caught? And they think about that. Sorry, they don't think that they'll get caught. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. Flashing lights are the number one way to deter impaired driving. When there's flashing lights, when people know cops are around, they're less likely to take that chance. Of course. Because then it becomes a little more real. Yeah. Maybe everybody should sit in the back of a police car and be handcuffed. Yeah, or go through those, go through any type of scary moment like that. Absolutely. I, I do like the incentives that a lot of cities will have. New Year's Eve is a great example. There should almost be more of that every single event. And I know for like a city like Toronto, that's a big expense. But when you know New Year's Eve, hey, I can go out and I ride the local transit for free tonight. You ride for free all the way until 2 a.m. or whatever it is. We see this a lot, right? Especially with New Year's Eve. I'd, I'd like to see more of that. And I know that it shouldn't just be about that. I mean, that's the shitty part is like it shouldn't just be about, oh, I'll save a little bit of money. No, it should be you're potentially saving lives. You don't even give a sh- bit of shit about yourself. And that's fine. Like to me, if I hear a drunk driver drove into a pole and killed themselves, I have, don't have a lot of sympathy. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, but you could kill somebody else. And that's what pisses me off. Yeah. Well, whether it's a passenger of yours, whether it's somebody that you could, God forbid, hit and kill, like in this particular case we're talking about. I just it's like the beyond most selfish thing in my mind that you could do. Like you, you might as well murder somebody because that's that is murder. Like, in my opinion, it's right up there. It, you may not have had the intent, but you did kind of have intent. To know something could be up when you stepped inside the car drunk. I just don't find a lot of excuses for it. I wish there were a little bit more that we could do. Yes, to deter those people who are going to be assholes no matter what. And they're like, well, fuck it. It's fine. I just had a few. Uh, Okay. You know, but just take a look at this particular case. Take a look at his name being smeared everywhere. The man that did this. Take a look at the Marco Muzzo case or any number of unfortunate ones that happened before that. Yeah. This family too. Beautiful family. And I, I don't know how her the mom that was killed it was the mom and three girls right yeah i don't know how her husband wakes up every day with that grief with that trauma with that heavy weight on his mind every single day you don't you don't like you you hear his testimony and i heard his testimony and it's horrible it's heartbreaking it's the worst thing you can hear i mean your family just disappeared they're gone you're used to hugging your kids good like it just makes me want to cry just thinking about it i can't even imagine it his life i say his life has changed forever that's obvious but Uh, this could have been avoided so fucking easily is the worst part. That's the thing, right? Hey, if you're ever in that situation, and I have a feeling you will be at some point, just remember, you make bad decisions when you're drunk. Most of the decisions you make when you're under the influence are not smart decisions. And when it comes to driving, and it may be cliche, but that Uber that parking ticket, any of those things is a substantially better outcome than getting caught driving drunk or, God forbid, driving drunk and the worst happens, Mm -hmm. whether you kill yourself or someone else. And you might not think it'll happen to you, but ask this guy if he thought it would happen to him. Ask Marco Muzzo if he thought it would happen to him. And the list goes on and on and on. And there's just, it's 2022. There's just no excuse for it. And don't be afraid If you see a drunk driver out there or an impaired driver to call it in, police are so on top of that shit. I've done it. I was following behind a guy who swerved across a lane right in front of me and basically bounced off the median and then right back in front of me. He was either asleep or he was loaded. 
I called it in and the police were there in minutes and they were on the phone with me the whole time. Okay, where's he going? Do you think he's going to exit up here or is he going to keep going to the next exit? And they want to catch these people. They really, really want them off the roads because I can't think of many things that are more dangerous to society. I don't know why we're so nervous to call 911 to make that call because I've been in that exact same scenario. Like, oh, I don't know. Should I call? Like, Am I going to be a burden? to? No. Give them a call. Call 911 for sure. Um, and the other thing is, don't be afraid if you're on the other side of that of, uh, hey, I'm kind of intoxicated or holy, I had one drink only, but wow, it's hit me a lot harder. Call call people you know. Like, can I say nothing would make me upset. There's no scenario where I'd be upset if anybody, yourself included, uh, and uh, whoever it might be, my, my sibling, whatever it is, called me, even if it was at a weird hour and, and was like, can you just drive me to here? I, I got no, I don't, I feel like I have no other way or I don't want to spend the money or whatever. Okay. Like a lot of people won't ask a lot of questions. Someone will be willing to help you out. Sleep in your car. Anything. Number of any like, number of things. Yeah. So many different yeah. options. Okay. Let's move on from this. What time does your alarm go off in the morning? Oh my gosh. Your first alarm. Well, you only I have only one. I have one and it's 10 to four. Okay. Usually, unless I'm going to the gym, then it's earlier than that. All right. I've got, uh, actually, you know what? I can read you my alarms. We go at uh, 3.10, 3.15, 3.20, 3.27. Why don't you just wake up at 3.30? Like, I don't understand. Give your body the whole sleep, the whole way through. Again, that's a, I know people like yourself, that works for you. Totally cool. The average person's alarm goes off at 6.54 a.m. Okay, I could see that. They don't actually get out of bed until 7.12 a.m. So there's a bit of a discrepancy there. That means people are hitting the snooze or they're rolling the dice. Oh, I'll just close my eyes for a couple more seconds. Now, that could be a couple seconds or it could be a couple of hours. And then you wake up thinking, oh, fuck, is it a.m. or Mm -hmm. p.m. and what's going on? Yeah, I think we've all been there. Yep. But even at that point, We're not fully awake. It's another 29 minutes before people feel like they're awake and ready to start the day. Although an asterisk here, it's five minutes longer than that for men. Women are actually awake faster than guys. So here's how it breaks down with the tiredness in the morning. And I guess this in a way could kind of go back to the impaired thing as well. One in five people admit they often arrive at work still feeling sleepy. 17% admit they are not completely awake during their commute to work. And a third are merely functioning on autopilot. Isn't that... Okay, you say autopilot, and it's so funny. When I was commuting farther, I mean, my drive to work is not very long right now. But when I was working at the old station, I was still living in Cambridge, and it took me like 40 minutes or so. There were times, and I think we've all been there, and it wasn't even necessarily driving to work. I could have been driving home. I don't think it had anything to do with sleep. But haven't you been there before where you get to your destination, you park, and you go, I don't even remember getting here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, how did that even happen? And you just kind of go, your body is just kind of like, I don't know if it's like a muscle memory thing <laughs> or what it is, but you just get there and you're like, fuck, I don't remember any of that drive. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? It totally like, is. Like, even when you know you're safe, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, you were awake, but you still were on that autopilot mode. And you're just like, I'm here now. I don't remember that. Well, for <laughs> the vast majority of my career, my whole drive to work, 401 to the 427. 
for years. And mm-hmm. I basically was on autopilot and on the highway, it's well lit and everything's fine. And I was probably guilty of that. There was probably times when I got to work thinking, huh, that was weird. I was awake, but I wasn't fully engaged yeah. in that. Now my drive, half of it is down a dark country road Mm -hmm. Uh, between Guelph line and Walker's line. It's dark. And I am so shit scared about hitting a fourth deer with my car that I am so alert, eyes open, and I'm like two hands on the wheel, left, right, scan, scan, high beams every second I can. And I'm fully paying attention now because it's a different situation. So maybe it has a little bit to do with your route. But they asked people, What are you doing to try and get yourself ready for the day? If your alarm goes off at 6.54, but you're not actually getting up till 7.12, and then you're not actually awake for half an hour after that, and sometimes not even by the time you get to work, what does it take? The number one thing people said they needed was coffee. I need a coffee. In fact, they'll go for a coffee before number two which is a hot shower. Most people have a coffee before number two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm the coffee person. I will wake up when I get out of bed before I get ready and stuff like that. Usually I'll put my coffee machine on and get that puppy at least heated up and ready to go for when I want my coffee because coffee is like the first thing I desire. And then I go and I brush my teeth and I wash my face or whatever if I am having a shower in the morning, which is rare because I usually am a night showerer. I'll do that. But yeah, I'm a go-to coffee person. Are you? Is that the first thing you do? No. In fact, my coffee doesn't happen until I get in the car. I'm so into these Yeti mugs. I used to scoff at those. I used to say- Why would you scoff? I used to think, who the fuck would pay that much money for a coffee mug? That's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Then somebody gave me one and I used it and it really does keep your coffee hot. I don't know if it works for cold because I only use it for coffee, but I drink far less of them. And as soon as I get in the car, my coffee is ready to go hot. So coffee's the last thing I get before I walk out the door. I make it. We get in the car. Before that, though, uh, the shower is my first thing. As soon as I roll out of bed, I hit the shower. Well, there's the number two. And then the shower. (laughs) Does that help wake you up? Do you do the shower just to make you feel... Um, like clean, refreshed, ready for the day? Does it help wake you up? Is it all of the above? It's all of the above. Okay. So the shower, I probably linger in there a lot longer than I would if I was just showering during the day or on a regular morning at like 7, 8 a.m. like normal people. But uh, yeah, the shower helps a lot. That's before I get to the coffee. They say the third thing here is force yourself out of bed as soon as your alarm goes off. When you have to wake up, yeah, there's a decent number of people that can say... All right, I don't like it, but here we go. And they just swing themselves up and (laughs) clap my hands and ready for the day. (laughs) Clap my hands and say, this is going to be a good day. Do some stretching. I kind of want to be stretching guy. I'm not. And and I'm generally opposed to all forms of physical activity. But the stretch thing seems like a, a, a decent thing to do. Does it count while you're still lying down in bed? No. Because sometimes, oh, it does not. You have to get up. Touch your toes. Bend over, bitch. Touch your toes. Okay, no, not like that. But okay, so you have to, this is a full-fledged, let's do it. I have those girlfriends that do the yoga, like just a 15, just cat, a 15-minute yoga session in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't have 15 minutes for very many things. Like, I don't know. And I'm not sans yoga, but I had, do have friends that swear by that. And I, I suppose that could be in part stretching, yoga, whatever it is. 15 minutes, meditation moment and that works for them and hey whatever works for you 
I don't know. I mean, the thought of stretching in the morning seems appealing to me. Like, I'd like to be that guy who who gets up and just throws his leg up on the dresser and stretches it you out. Know what? No, because I'm going to get that phone call at four o'clock in the morning. Cut. I can't move my legs. <laughs> Pulled my groin. <laughs> I'm out. It's going to take me a lot longer to get to work today. <laughs> but I would be that guy. No, That's what I mean. My balance is so bad. I'd probably be the guy who falls doing the stretches. <laughs> I broke my nose this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'm going to be morning stretch guy. Okay, do That's going to be good. I think you should try. You should be stretch guy. Yeah, why not? Open a window. Go for a walk. Man, that takes, when you just roll out of bed to first thing, say, I'm going to put some clothes on and go immediately for a walk. Yeah. And I don't mean down to the end of the driveway to pick up your paper. I mean, like, go for a walk. Do you walk the dog before you leave? Or do you just tend to do the long walk when you're done work? Because you're done work at a good time, so... I fully understand if you don't do it before work. Yeah. I don't. He he gets a walk when my girlfriend goes to work and yes. she starts at a much more reasonable okay. hour. Yeah. Yeah. I let him out as soon as I get home from work. Yeah. So same here. Same thing. But when I, I got to say for people who work later, like we work at weird hours. So it's hard for us to relate to any of this, honestly. But for those who are doing like a regular nine to five, maybe a 10 to six, whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, when I did afternoon radio, that was me. I got up. I don't even think I grabbed a coffee first. I went for a walk on in the nice weather, especially. That's the first thing I did. It's a great start to the day. Get a little bit of vitamin D. Feel that fresh air. You feel like you had got at least a tiny bit of exercise in before the day. Yeah, I could see that. Make your bed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Does I, that really I, wake I, you up making the bed? I, I don't. I wouldn't put that under that category. I just feel like I have to do it, or else I feel like a bit of a slob. But most days. I don't, I just kind of do the like old sheet throw over the pillow kind of thing. I don't fully make it. Like if I'm making the bed, I'm throwing the the pillows on and stuff like that. My husband wouldn't appreciate that very much when he's still trying to sleep. Exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Now when they say, I guess there's a difference then between stretching and exercise. I'm thinking when they say exercise, that's like roll out of bed and jump right on the Peloton. Do some cardio. It is nice to start your day with that. That's a tall ask. I mean, you got to be committed to that day. Nine is have a glass of juice. All right. Like what juice? I don't know. Like, oh, what do you just like run downstairs and get like a big like, cup of OJ or something? Like I, they're not like smoothie is not juice. Like do they mean smoothie? You know, I, I, I don't glass know. Of juice? Uh, okay. And finally, put some music on. Well, oh, I like that one. We certainly appreciate that. You yeah. can throw the radio on. And if you just say, hey, Google, play 91.5 The Beat. Hey, Alexa, play 91.5 The Beat. It'll play us in the morning and... I mean, we think we're all right. Yeah, we are all right. We, we're having fun. We gave, away, we gave away Justin Bieber tickets this morning. We're doing it again later on this week. Yeah, you should check out the show. Okay. Real low on time, but the last thing I'm going to mention here is it's a compilation of 10 food rules that we break all the time. It's a rule, and we just intentionally don't follow it. We think, fuck it. I know more than that <laughs> Betty Crocker cookbook. Okay. <laughs> fuck Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't mix seafood with cheese. People do it. Oh, all the people time. do it. Um, isn't there like there's a cheese crab cheese bakes and shit like that? There's all kinds of recipes for that. Sure, technically it's not something that's advised. Uh, using a particular color of onion. No matter what the recipe says, people will just use whatever, whatever onion they have on hand. Hundred percent. It tastes similar, especially when cooked. Right. There's a huge difference between a red onion and a yellow onion and a scallion, and there's so many different kinds that when it says use a scallion. No, you don't just throw in like a yellow cooking really? onion. Don't they all kind of taste the same? 
when they're cooked? Like no. they, they caramelize similarly. Aren't they all like this, the same? You wouldn't caramelize certain onions anyway. You do that for like a yellow onion. Ooh, I don't I think know. I would do that for a red onion. I don't know. Sifting flour. We can't be bothered. You just throw the flour no. in. Sifter. Who has a sifter? I don't have a sifter. Measuring dry spices. They say it can be a nice guide, but spice level is subjective. Yeah, you just shakey, shakey, shakey out of your old it's true. clubhouse it's container. Am I right? Pound in the bottom of that clubhouse <laughs> container. and Yeah, that's about a tablespoon. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It looks Seems about right. legit. <laughs> Fresh herbs in a recipe. Subbing in dried mm-hmm. herbs is easier and cheaper. Okay, but no, this one I'm going to say, use the fresh herbs. It makes a massive difference. Really? Massive difference. Because I yes. would be the one to break that rule and use the dried ones. No, especially if it depends on what the recipe is. Maybe I would going to say maybe to that, but like there's nothing like growing your own too. That's the only thing I really grow uh, and tend, tend to be during the summer. But like if put, throwing in like a fresh cilantro or a fresh basil as opposed to the shaky shaky does make a difference, I think. Using unsalted butter in a recipe is called for a lot. Yet most people will throw in either salted butter because it's all they have uh. or they'll just chuck in some margarine. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Margarine subs happen a lot. I think a lot of people just substitute. Like, it's the same. But it's not. Well, th- it, these muffins listen, call for unsalted butter. So I threw in some basil with olive oil. I think it depends. <laughs> but that said, I think it depends what we're talking about here. Like if you're making fucking mac and cheese, who gives a shit? You're making like uh, pre-mix muffins. That's a good example. Who gives a shit? Does anybody really care? But if you're doing like a home bake new creation or you want to follow the recipe to a T, that's when you have to do it. But can I just say this is what I'm bad at, though, is preparing in advance. Preparing ahead to have all of these things that I don't usually have in my cupboards or fridge ahead of time. Don't eat uncooked cookie dough. Everybody eats uncooked cookie (laughs) dough. We used to smash that, like sleepovers and stuff like that. I remember just getting together with my girlfriends and it was like someone had to bring the tub of ice cream. Someone brought a raw fucking sleeve of cookie dough. Someone... <laughs> the one that looks like a sausage? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. And we'd eat it right from the fucking plastic wrap and everything. Just animals. And then someone had to <laughs> someone had to bring, speaking of fuck Betty, uh, like a Betty Crocker, like pre-made frosted whipped icing of some kind too. And we just go to town. But I'm talking like grade six seven eight right like just gross like we didn't give a shit about our bodies so i <laughs> never ate a raw cookie dough even when my mom offered it to me what? i would always say no but you know what i did do that was just as savage as what you and your girlfriends did i bought uh, a, a jar of icing like that you'd put on top of a cake yeah like the betty crocker yeah and i would eat the eat icing with a that. spoon you know it's fucking gross like that's was- why i was so fat <laughs> I'm going to throw my husband under the bus. You know what he used to do? He used to hide it under his bed so his mom didn't, you see? You know, like the the Nesquik powder that makes the chocolate milk? Yeah. He used to have that under his bed with a fucking spoon. Really? Yeah, isn't that gross? He just ate the powder? He just fucking ate the powder. Holy shit. I know. Can you believe it? He told me after I married him, so I was stuck at that point, you know? (laughs) That might have changed things. You put what under your bed? (laughs) People have weirder shit under their bed, I assume. But yeah, I used to get in shit every now and again, like... Fucking take that out from under your bed. It's gross. Uh, Again, this is a thread about cooking rules that we always ignore for our own convenience. Number three. Actually, no, we're going in reverse order. So this would be seven. Uh, You know the rule. Don't cook with wine, tomatoes, or anything acidic in a cast iron pan. Oh, okay. What do we always cook it in? 
Cast iron pans. People do that shit yeah. all the time. Sure they do. Using olive oil while cooking instead of cheaper oils that have a higher smoke point. Yeah, I think that's a go-to. You just pour in whatever you've got, right? right. Oh, I'm going to make some eggs. I'll throw in this oil. Well, not all oils are good. And you're, uh, olive oils, there's a lot of things you can use olive oil for. It's not perfect for cooking. Right. Throwing out a whole block of cheese when there's a little bit of mold on it. Wait, are you supposed to throw oh. it out if there's a little bit of mold or can you still use the part that doesn't have mold? Do you just cut off the moldy part? And and here's the thing. Air is the enemy with cheese, right? We know this. Yes. And, and a lot of other a lot of other products, right? Air, air, is, the air is the enemy. That's what I was always told. <laughs> air is the enemy. You got to seal it up properly. Air is the enemy. That's true, right? When you're folding up a bag of chips and you want to have more later, when you're anything, air is the enemy. And with cheese... All it takes is like, I swear, like one day of like, oh, I didn't properly wrap that cheese or put it away. Boom, mold. But if you can just cut it off and use the rest, okay. If it doesn't bother you, I say, sure. I don't like wasting food. So if that doesn't bother you, fine. There's two inventions I want to tell you guys about, and we didn't even have time to get to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, so we'll try and spend some time on that tomorrow, because this case is already interesting again. Absolutely, and more is unfolding as we speak, actually, because we're hearing from Amber Heard on like the job she basically lost out on, and how she's how her job has been cut, she confirmed, uh, for Aquaman 2, which was the rumor, right, that they were taking her out of the script slowly, and she confirmed that on the stand today. So we'll, we'll gather all those details. Maybe we'll play a little bit from our uh, conversation with Ian at Cohen High about this too because we spoke to an actual lawyer about some of it and it was quite interesting okay two inventions quickly they are number one there's a factory over in india that has figured out how to repurpose used cigarette butts anybody who's a non-smoker i'm hates not cigarette i'm not butts. interested automatically like you said that and i'm uninterested in whatever this is okay what they do is they have a team that collects up these cigarette butts and rather than them going to a from, landfill from where I don't know. Just the randomly off the street? <laughs> I don't know. The, Fuck. That big fucking pile at the front door of the radio station, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Polson Street after the... <laughs> after a good night at Cabana. I don't know. There's a lot of cigarette butts sure. out there. Sure. So what they do is they take them and they separate the burnt part from the the rest of the filter and they take off the paper part and so all they've got left is the filter but not burnt basically unused what they do then is they put it all in a big machine and grind it up and it's become the internal lining of teddy bears so they're making teddy bears that are stuffed with cigarette butts that don't smell and uh, what what are you looking at me like that for i thought it was a good way to repurpose the cigarette butts happy birthday kid (laughs) don't ask what's on the inside you like that bear i just smoke a lot to make that Who's who's that sounds tedious, though, by the way, having to like basically unfold everything and then you have to separate it and clean. I'm all for recycling. Okay, I'm not going to like turn my nose at trying to recycle in in this day and age. Eco friendly. Great. Fine. Whatever. How much does that cost? So considering all the labor that seems to go in, are these fucking thousand dollar smoke bears? Like they seem like they'd probably be quite expensive. Ah, if they're not calling it Smokey the Bear, Smokey the Bear, they're missing an opportunity. But nobody wants to advertise it for real, do they? Like, no. oh, cigarette butts are inside. Anyway, uh, let's move along. <laughs> well, when's the last time you bought a bear and thought, "But what's, what's on the inside? inside of this?" Nobody asks those questions. Nobody does. Sure. It's, it's a fucking <laughs> <laughs> throw it up at the. I got car- a pack of camels <laughs> in my bear. It's throw good. it up at a carnival. Nobody gives a shit there. Put all those bears in the carnivals because no one cares. They just like free shit, and it's not even free, by the way. You have to pay money to play those games. So give it to them. Last invention, and I think this is great, the engineering team at Johns Hopkins University 
is I didn't, I didn't even know they had an engineering department there. But anyway, they very, pre- very prestigious school, John Hop- Johns Hopkins. I knew it was medically. I knew there was a lot of good uh, medical programs. Yeah, and I actually do have a few kids that I used to coach that go to Hopkins, cool. so, which is great. They um, the engineering team there has created an edible adhesive tape that is specifically for burritos. It's basically a tape that you put across the fold of your burrito or your wrap, whatever it is that you're eating on a pita or on a flatbread, so that it doesn't come apart while you're eating it. It's fucking brilliant. Could you use that for like a taco and stuff like that too? Well, a taco is supposed to be open on one end. I don't. You wouldn't want to tape that shut, would you? Oh, okay. Well, it would be less messy. Sure. There's a lot of things that we do that are very messy that could be less messy, but we keep doing them anyway. With a burrito, I think that this is brilliant, Cat. I'm curious if it tastes good. Does it actually taste good? Well, they say oh. it tastes good. Right. And they say it comes in several different tasty flavors. And I'm imagining they'd be complimentary to the burritos, for example. Like, oh, here's a salsa flavored piece of tape that you can eat. Shit like that. <laughs> Jalapeno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Enjoy. I mean, I assume it'll taste good, but they are not releasing any more details until their patent application is approved. But this could be a big thing. These are just university students that like burritos that got sick and tired of beans falling on their lap and said, we're going to invent something to change this. Well, you could take that technology and put it really anywhere. I mean, edible tape. Someone's going to like that shit for something else. Yeah, you're right, actually. You are absolutely... Any number of things, really. Okay, if that's not explicitly in the patent, we're stealing that idea. (laughs) First, you tape your boobs up with it, then you eat it. (laughs) Sick and tired of your balls sticking to your legs on a hot day? (laughs) Tape them up. There's all kinds of things you could do with it. It's like a scrotum lift. It's good. And you eat it later. It's good. It's good for the environment. It's good for everybody. Who would want to eat it later? Get the fuck out of here. Some sick son of a bitch would definitely eat that. Some asshole is going to be selling it. <laughs> yeah, I wore this. It held my balls up all day. I'm throwing up on eBay. <laughs> Have a great day, guys. We'll see you back here tomorrow. McDonald's announced that after more than three decades in Russia, they're selling their business and completely leaving the country. Oh. It's sad news for Russians who will now probably live 20 years longer. <laughs> The Oklahoma Sooners got a JUCO transfer quarterback. His name, General Booty. Yeah. (laughs) General Booty. It's such a proud day for his parents, Pirate and Shakyur. The candy company Mars Wrigley has recalled some varieties of Starburst, Skittles, and Lifesavers because they could contain metal. Actually, Mars didn't recall the candies. They just relabeled them all jawbreakers. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal. Broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.